Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Michael and Benjamin's podcast. Welcome back to the first episode of Michael and Benjamin's podcast for the new year, 2019. I am the Michael of Michael and Benjamin's podcast, and I am joined by the man who was recently voted the most influential dyspraxic in podcasting by the Dyspraxic Society of Ireland. It's Ben. Hello. I am the only influential dyspraxic podcaster. No, that's definitely not true. Nah, that's probably um, there are other noted dyspraxics, such as Daniel Radcliffe, Florence from Florence and the Machine. Oh. Um, and I'm sure they probably get more influential things even though they're not Irish yeah or podcasters or podcasters Daniel Radcliffe's been on a podcast I'm sure yeah but that doesn't count oh. Ben it's 2019 and we're back we took a break and when we took a break everything happened everything happened it was a mountainous week of pop culture happenings so this episode is really the best way to look at this is a kind of a, a kind of panicky scramble for yeah. two people to catch up with stuff. <laughs> the two of us have just been sitting down this morning being like, oh, that's the trailer we have to do. Oh, God. What are we going to do? How are we going to fit in the topic? Why don't we pick a topic? Look, Ben, we are not going to get any of these things done until after you do the theme music. <gasps> theme music for the podcast. We don't actually have anything music. For us, I don't want to name any names. Rachel, I hope it's Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, twenty nineteen, Benjamin. There have been a lot of <laughs> there have been a lot of trailers. Benjamin, people enjoyed our Spider Man Let's Play. They seem to. Yeah. Seem to seem to be into it. Certainly more than we enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, it was quite a frustrating experience for us. I've got grey hair now. Yeah, Michael. very good. Oh yeah. really? Yeah, it's coming in over here. Oh yeah, in, a in bit. the side. Bit of a salt yeah. and pepper, a bit yeah, of a bit Mr. Of, fantastic sort yeah, of thing. A bit of Mr. Fantastic thing. Just waiting for my body parts to stretch. <laughs> Oh. Ben, <laughs> speaking of stretchy characters, uh, Marvel have a character called Miss Marvel, and she is inspired by her favorite superhero, Captain Marvel, who has a trailer this week. <gasps> that was that was not clunky at all. That was no, that was smooth so as butter. Yeah, so we got another Brie Larson Captain Marvel trailer. Mm-hmm. Bit smug. Mm. Bit 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 smug to my mind, Look, Michael. Ben, is it smug because it's a lady? Because Robert Downey Jr. could not be any smuggler, and we all love him. Fair point. Is it that we're? Is it that we find a smug lady hard to deal with? Well, I am. I am a noted misogynist. <laughs> you are noted. <laughs> I am actually Ireland's most influential misogynist dyspraxic. Yeah, that, that is, is an actual trophy I true. have at home. Um, it's just my body with a penis put where my head is. I thought it was a, a little statue of you trying to push a woman, but then missing and falling. <laughs> <laughs> That would be a more accurate dyspraxic. Yeah. So, um, no, she, she's she's very sassy. She's a there's, sassy lady. There's a lot of sass. Mm. Um, I don't mind that so much. But um, what I, I what I thought was more interesting, we get a better look at Cree ideology from Jude Law. Yeah. One of the whole kind of thing. Very um, very kind of amalgus kind of and for the we, good of the Cree. We got to see a bit of scroll shape shifting. We did. We finally got to see a little bit of scrolly scrolliness. It doesn't look like it's easy on them. Um, no, it takes a bit of effort, mm. and they have to have something to mimic by the looks of things. They yeah. don't. They can't. They can't just. They can't be a generic human. Yes, because that surfer lady gets an old gawk from yeah. a scroll, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, two surfer ladies. Yeah. Jeez, um, the CGI on bloody, on bloody Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, I mean, 
they still say to this day that they didn't really CGI Kurt Russell at the start of at the start of Guardians of the Galaxy 2 that it was mostly makeup lighting and the fact that they've been in Hollywood so long that you can like have you ever seen those cosplayers and stuff who are like a 22 year old Russian woman and with makeup they can make themselves look like Johnny Depp Yes. Like, makeup has really powerful transformative powers. Fair enough. But I'm not saying there isn't CG, obviously. No, no. I was hoping there was because the the other CGI... Yes. Looks a bit clunky. Look, it's not done. It's not, it's not finished. You're right. I'm being. I'm, I'm jumping a gun. Well, you are and you aren't because, you know, Marvel, Ben, they're not famous for silky smooth CG. Like, mm. Even after 22 Iron Man films, it still looked like Robert Downey Jr.'s head is floating on top of a... It does occasionally. Of a, right? Yeah, and, on a stick. I mean, <laughs> even, even Bruce Banner in the Hulkbuster in Infinity War, the biggest movie yeah. of all time, looked a little bit... Head on Not stick. there, yeah. yeah. Um, I think well, one of the things I didn't realise about Captain Marvel at all is she gets a massive backlash. People are not happy with that comic book. In, in oh, the whole yeah. comics gaze, Look, oh, it's a woman. Um, and I, I came across an interesting thing. Is like Someone mentioned, and I, I spent the week, Michael, and my YouTube suggestions have been forever changed by it Uh-oh. because I spent the week investigating... Comics case. No, that's not good. And I've now started getting suggestions in my feed as well. Why Captain Marvel is cancer for the Marvel comic book universe. Oh, God. Um, why I don't want a woman as my... The end of the Marvel universe started in the 70s when Captain Marvel was replaced. And I was just like, oh, wow. I hope no one ever looks at my YouTube <laughs> suggestions. They're going to think I'm a terrible person. Yeah. Um, but um, I think one of the major things is it that... that the argument from that end of things is, are we being force-fed Captain Marvel? Because she's now kind of the figurehead for all Marvel I mean, come on, come on out but, of it, lads. Yeah. Come on out of it. It's, it's just marketing. It's like saying, were we force-fed Doctor Strange? <sighs> were we force-fed Black Panther? You just took my argument and, no, and ran with it. No, it's a good thing because we're on the same side, Michael, yeah, so it's, right, it's totally fine. But um, yeah, no, it, it still looks good. Um, I am just a little bit worried about a deus ex machina. I, if, if she swoops in and just... I give fixes them, everything. I don't think so. I have. A, I think we give them a bit of credit. Things I have generally been pretty the, good. The Russo brothers are pretty solid guys. Too. But Ben, okay. speaking of things which aren't usually pretty good, mm-hmm. Netflix Punisher mm. season two. Punisher was good, but Punisher Netflix is not very good. good. Netflix, when it comes to th- those franchises, is, is not a good egg. Um, Punisher season two is out. Yep, Punisher. Punisher season two. Punisher gets a daughter. Yeah, Punisher. <laughs> Punisher gets a daughter. Punisher learns to love. Um, one, not three men and a baby. One Punisher and a lady. One, one Punisher and a lady. Um, yeah, there's only one Punisher that we know of. Yeah. Um, Except Rachel Alves. Rachel Alves might come in. We're going to touch on that now, Michael. Okay. Um, it is situated between the snap and Endgame. What? Um, yeah, yeah, so it's after the snap. Is it? Yes. Ben, where did you, where did you um, procure this information? It was Listen confirmed to that, ben, from genuine Netflix. excitement yeah, yeah, in, my, yeah, yeah. in my voice. It's, it's post-snap. It's post-snap. Pre-endgame. Get out of here. Yeah, yeah. But. Ben, you're such a liar. But, no, I'm not. Punisher season two is post-snap. But he's on the road. This is why we started in a roadhouse. Okay, so. Um, he's on the just... road where there's not a lot of people. So he might not notice much of a... Uh, Ah, I mean, snap. But snap, I mean, snap. everyone in the world is going to be talking about it. Well, it would seem from the trailer that everyone is intact from the Punisher verse. 
the, the comrade in arms who knows, runs yeah. the PTSD is still there. The yeah. agent who tracked him originally is still there. And it's post-snap. Post-snap. Get out of here. Um, I believe that when I see it. Uh, yeah, well, look, there you go. Um, they've bottled Jigsaw's face. They've just given up on, on making him Jigsaw from the from the comics. He gets he a mask. A mild, well, he has a mild bit of scarring. Yeah, but I mean, Jigsaw is disfigured. And also, Frank Castle at the end of season one does a bit of damage. Does a bit of damage. Ben, did you see... Uh, noted internet Instagram superstar Boss Logic's version. No, he did a version with real scars, and it's much better. Oh, yeah. I'd, I'd like to see. I don't know whether Punisher's going to go back and get a, get a, get a second helping <laughs> of face smashing and really do some work. But um, <laughs> Jigsaw apparently is a bit more metaphorical. Um, apparently, he has lost much of his memory. Yeah, and it is now Jigsaw. He's trying up. to put back together. Yeah. Um, the 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 daughter. That mm-hmm. you mentioned earlier is uh, Amy Bendix, a reference to a character from the early '90s. She was a four-issue runaway of comics that the Punisher saved. Um, she may become a, an amalgam of Rachel Alvis um, and become the Lady Punisher. She might, Lady Punish, although she won't because well, I mean, Netflix is just going to dump this gonna one, cancel it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, the, the oh. hyper violence is back. We've both taken a drink at the same time and let, uh, left a bit of a dead silence. That's a shame. Ah, welcome so, back to two men drinking. You, you go ahead there, and I'll just keep random chatting, and then I'll go. Oh man, oh man, seamless, seamless. But it looks like we're going to have classic Punisher violence. They don't hold back in that trailer. Oh, no, pretty uh, violent. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. it. He has the suit. He's fully embracing the the logo. It it. It did look a little bit more superhero-y than the first mm. season. There's a touch of stepping up. Yeah. I like yeah. it. I, 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 it's a good progression for the good. character. We good. need it. Yeah. We need it. Any anyway. any bad news, Ben? Unfortunately, Michael, this is, you're segueing like a champion. The unfortunate bad news this week is uh, Ron Smith died. Ron Smith probably isn't that well known to many people, but during the 70s, or sorry, not the 70s, during the 80s and 90s, there were four kind of key artists who drew Judge Dredd for 2000 AD, and Ron Smith was one of them. He passed away at 94. Ben, as we say, good innings. Good innings, yeah. 94 is not exactly a a life cut short in its prime. No. Also, on top of that, Young Justice is back. Um, is that bad news? It's good. Well, it's I, I think from a storytelling point of view, it's very good news. Um, from an animation point, maybe maybe the budget took a bit of a knock. Oh, no. They don't have that Cartoon Network money, um, I guess. But it's it's still very good. They have the original team back, so all the designs are solid. Uh, I'll do a more in-depth review of that another time, because we've got a lot to cover today, Michael. And I'm guessing you haven't seen it all. And Young No, I've seen all three episodes of the new season. Mm. Um but I haven't seen the I haven't seen the end of it because it's not out yet. They're doing it episode no, by episode. No, it's not a it's not a Netflix dump, right? Mm. Like, a poo. sorry, I don't mean as in a like a, a, a fecal excretion. I mean as in <laughs> a big smelly poo. <laughs> <laughs> well, what else are we talk about this? <laughs> what else are we talking about? Um, Benjamin. Yes. I saw Bumblebee. Oh. Yeah, I saw it the other day with my oh. lady. Uh, ben, I tell you what though, Ben. First of all, it's quite good. Oh, yeah. Pleasantly and, surprised. And has been described as a studio as solidly profitable. It's weird that that's what they choose to focus on. Yeah, well, look, I think what people were worried about was it was the first good Transformers film, but it might have been too late. Ah. Because they were already going downhill because the last two hadn't been as successful as the ones before them. And people hated them. And they were bags of Mickeys. But this one... Is quite good as a film. Not amazing as a film. Sure. My own lovely lady loved it. 
Oh, okay. She kept so, screaming in the cinema and slightly embarrassing us, going, "Oh no, Bumblebee!" <laughs> Every time someone shot him with a harpoon. <laughs> Sorry, <the> spike. <laughs> Sorry, listeners. Sorry about your earbuds. That's that's my job. I'm here to burst listeners' eardrums. Yeah, that's, um, that's my gig. But yeah, it was a solidly good film. Um, Haley Steinfeld is in it. She plays Megan Fox, but not even a single exploitative shot. Not even one. Not even a single one. I don't think you can exploit. Hayley Steinfeld. Oh, you definitely can. She's a bit too young looking to she, be exploited she's wholly. She's 23. But she doesn't look 23. What age is she playing in the film? Yeah, but Ben, you're talking about... What, the, a, what you, age is she playing in the film? She's playing 18 in the film. Nice. But you're yeah. talking about a film series which had a previous lead female character be 16 going out with a 17 year old who then kept a piece of paper in his pocket to prove that it wasn't statutory rape. Oh yeah, Michael Bay. Yeah, remember? <laughs> Michael Bay. <laughs> that was that was Oh, that was so weird. So, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Gonna have to It's it's a real step forward. The characters Good job them. I know. Um, <laughs> there's, there's a scene set there's a scene set on Cybertron, which is like porn for Transformers fans. It's the best thing that's ever been filmed. Um the Transformers are generally kind of almost characters. Had they been redesigned a little bit? Oh completely. Here and there. It's it it's if not for one slightly disappointing scene at the end, it would be a complete reboot. Nice. Yeah. Sam Witwicky doesn't turn up, does he? No. Oh, I'll, I'll do a spoiler because it's been out a few weeks. At the end, Bumblebee scans the 1970s Camaro car and transforms into that. And that's the car that Sam Witwicky inherits. inherits or buys or whatever he does in the first one. Now, it doesn't make any sense because in the fifth or sixth Transformers... It's revealed that Bumblebee has been on Earth since World War One. Oh. And so, I mean, the timelines don't work together. So they kind of X-Mend it. Since World War One. It's stupid, Ben. Don't. It's stupid. The Transformers series is stupid. There weren't even that many cars. He was a tank thing. He was an armoured personnel character. Oh, get was, the fuck out yeah, of here. Yeah, get out of here, Michael Bay. Well, he did get out of here. Yeah, he did. Thank <laughs> Christ for that. Um, it's, yeah, but it's a good film. It's a kind of E.T., Iron Giant uh, young person with issues finds a thing and bonds with it, it but Aww. it's good when the robots are fighting you can tell them apart a robot yeah uh, when a robot turns into a car you can tell what car that robot will turn into but by looking at the bits on the robot that's a, that's to me in terms of design and character design that's a real step forward yeah. as opposed I, to this could be anything I think in like really honestly speaking there are seven or eight robots in it okay that's all. That's okay, though. Yeah. You don't have to overstuff your robots. No, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's good, though. <laughs> Benjamin, yeah. did you see a Bandersnatch? <laughs> I didn't see it, I'm afraid. I do know it's been out and okay. significant for a number of reasons. I watched it. It was all right. Did, did, did you watch it on your laptop or did you watch it? I watched it on my desktop PC. And did you choose your own adventure? I did choose my own adventure, yes. Mm. Um, like every choose-your-own-adventure, Ben many of the endings were quite unsatisfying. Yeah. I I remember distinctly when I was about twelve. Let's let's take a guess at what year that was. <laughs> You're a real bad egg. Two thousand and Oh God. Two thousand and four? Two thousand and four? Was it? Was it two thousand and four? <laughs> no, two thousand and three. Alright, that's close enough, yeah. Um yeah, well anyway, my aunt bought me a large collection of um, choose your own adventure books. Yes, they're very where good. you spin the pages mm-hmm. for a dice roll, and you chose 
a dice and then you moved to that thing in the thing hated them oh really um, I love you being love able good, to just narrative. well I don't want to choose my own adventure I don't care much for my own adventures yeah. that's why I read other people's books <laughs> that's why you have a podcast that's, that's not a I'm bloody <laughs> travelogue yeah <laughs> I I'm not out there making YouTube content with blue water. It's yeah. not my thing. Okay, fair enough. It's not my thing. But anyway, good, bad. Uh, yeah, it suffers from being a choose your own adventure. It suffers from. Michael forgot to go to the toilet before the podcast. I there and had a moment. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I actually do need to go to the oh, toilet. Okay, are we um, pausing the podcast? No, no, we'll be all right. I'll just hold it in. You might hear a fart. Oh, um, what was I saying? Yeah, it suffers from being a choose your own adventure because. Choose your own adventures lack a strong narrative through line. Okay. Suddenly a mad thing happens. And some of the mad things are pretty entertaining. But you're like, does that count? Is that is, is that, that the ending? Is that, the real, is that uh, real storytelling? Yeah. You know, what? What's yeah. what? but what's the story? Yeah. And then you're like, what, but what is the story? Mm. And like, I, they went for a kind of meta thing where that was the point. No. But I mean, it was well acted. It was well, very well produced. Very interesting. Well, it's Black Mirror. Yeah, it's always yeah. going to have some. I went back and watched the Black Mirror. Mirror Black Mirror. <laughs> That's a different type of movie. Star Trek. Great. That's great. Yeah, the USS McAllister. McAllister. Something yeah, like very that. good. Yeah, good very, episode. Very good. good ep. Probably my favorite ep now. Are we moving on to the next thing? Let's move on to the next thing. Okay. Well, I'm gonna go to the page in my notes. So, <clears throat> fans of the podcast will know that um, we here at the podcast support Irish creativity. And and everything that goes with it. Yes. And and this week, yes. we had the chance to review a brand new sci-fi independent comic from Ireland. From Ireland, from Rogue Comics. It's Rogue Comics. R- Rogue Comics, if you want to sponsor the podcast, you can sponsor my half of the podcast. <laughs> Actually, after hearing my review, you won't want to sponsor anything to do oh, with this nice podcast. Oh, nice, Ben. That's um, no, I, I'm going to preface this by saying, I'm not a prick. Okay, very I'm, nice, Ben. I'm <laughs> ben, before you start being a prick... Do you want to, before you start a review, just tell us what it is. So, it's Neon Skies. Yeah. Uh, Neon Skies was released in Ireland last week, two weeks ago, just after I think Christmas. it might have been just before Christmas. Okay. But um, it was quite popular and it was actually hard enough to get a hold of. Oh. So I only managed to get physically get a hold of one last week. Okay, right. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm I'm going to be in the, the lower end then, I guess, okay, of, of people that read this comic. Because obviously it's, it's quite popular. Mm-hmm. Uh, first things first, the positives. Beautifully packaged. It's, it a, it's a very nice edition of a thing. It's it's very high quality. Um, the print is lovely. It's yeah, the paper is beautiful. Um, personally speaking, Ben, I'm not a huge fan of uh, hardback comics. I prefer a softback comic. You do. It, it just fits more into my shelf. Yes, it, you you do have your your comic collection is coming along nicely. Thank you. But um, yeah, I do prefer. It. But I mean, with the thing about a hardback is they're harder to store. They're more expensive. Mm. But look, Ben, that's niggles about the comic book industry. Yeah. That's not talking that's, about That's the not about itself. the review. Um, so this is going to make me come off as a real bad egg. Like, go on. Uh, and I'm, I'm just going to embrace it. I have a lot to say about this one. Um, none of it is mega positive, but I'll try and balance with the positives with the negatives that go I on, have. Go on, so then. one of the things, and probably the greatest flaw For, that this hold has... Hold on a second. Are we doing a spoilers? Uh, yes, we're doing full spoilers. We're doing a full spoilers. Um, okay. Well, no. We, I can I can do it without full spoilers. Okay. I can. Yeah, we'll do it without because it's, it's relatively new and yeah. we don't want to affect sales. Good man. Um, so, uh, first of all, the, the key flaw for me in this is that it's very generic. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. It, it is to 
independent Irish comics what Star Wars is to the sci-fi genre where it's just well that is the greatest compliment you could give a thing <laughs> it's not really because Star Wars isn't really sci-fi it's fantasy hiding as sci-fi so you've got your wise old man you've got mm. your your call to action you have all that we have that here um, I, I detest the chosen one plot the the special person mm-hmm. thing and this comic leans into that mm-hmm. wholeheartedly so that that kind of ticked me off um, that was one of your favourite things about um, Blade Runner 2049 yes it's it's a complete inversion of the special chosen one plot and I adored it for that mm-hmm. we, we seem to be in the minority of people who thought that Blade Runner 2049 is an excellent sci-fi film I thought it was an excellent sci-fi um, film I did fall asleep for 15 minutes in the middle of it though. <laughs> I think that might have been something else though um, anyway as you go through this story you'll find a great deal of characters shoehorned in here and there. There's a wise old man mm-hmm. that can do magic here and there magic. for some reason. Is it magic or science uh, magic? Well, we're going to get to that a little bit later in the review. The, even the art style, is a li- there's a little bit of Steve Dillon going on here. Give it over to in me. In that quite a few faces are the same. What differentiates people is their eye colour. Um, mm. They have neon eye colours and things like that. Um, I should I should give a little bit more about the plot as a general overview. This is set in a dystopian future where people choose to augment themselves with cybernetics to be part of the whole. Right. Um, and so any end of active individuality is kind of, you know, uh, an FU to the, the evil Steve Jobs style. Steve Jobs, Mark Zuckerberg amalgam that is the villain. Steve Joggerberg. Steve Joggerberg. So Joggerberg uh, wants to push humanity to its next phase of evolution through technology. Right. Um, he sounds all right. Yeah, he's a real bad egg. He's a very over-the-top, very silly. Um, you've, you've read him a million times. There's nothing fantastically individual about him. He has a, an evil henchman that's pretty much Darth Vader. Look, Ben, I actually like this comic. Um, that's but, fine. You can but have at me. I will in a minute. But... Okay. Um, I will agree that his henchman is pretty much Darth Vader. Yeah, he's just Darth Vader. Um, there are some derivative things, and the, yeah. the most derivative thing is that his henchman is pretty much Darth Vader. One of one of the things that I really didn't like about the comic that is very easily fixed um, is it's too condensed. Um, this should be three uh, trade paperbacks. Disagree. Um, no, it needed more spacing. It was shoehorned together, rammed together at a rapid pace. There's no character development because of that. Um, a lot of exposition, just mountains of exposition. Um, but that's that's not necessarily his fault, I suppose. Once you the writer's fault. Once once you get an opportunity to produce an Irish comic, you, you just go for it, um, and that's that's fine. Well, it very much has the narrative structure of a movie. Uh, yes, absolutely, but it doesn't suit this amount of information. He really wants to world build, and I commend that. He really wants to kind of build a, a stronger narrative but doing it all in one comic it does not help that the other thing Michael and the most important thing about this review is it's not meant for me this was never going to be my type of comic because it is very heavily 90s influenced go on um, the character design is straight out of the 90s the the evil villains have long extendable claw claws things like Death Strike big, big old eyes um, this is this is Lee fielded fuck <laughs> um, and that's that's fine um, that's making a huge comeback it's not for me a lot of people have loved this comic um, I just can't get behind it what I will say what I enjoyed was as you mentioned earlier um, there's a little bit of hint at, at magic and there's a famous Arthur C. Clarke 
um, quote, which is sufficiently advanced technology. That's not is, Arthur C. Clarke. That was Thor. No. Thor said that. No, he didn't. He did. Sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Right. So there's, there, there is a nice philosophy running through a lot of this um, of a future where people have chosen to augment themselves. I think that's not an illogical jump mm-hmm. in, in things. Um, so I, I enjoyed the overall idea of this comic. Um, I just thought the execution was a bit poor. But as I said, I'm a pedant, so, you know, whatever. I thought then that visually, I quite like it visually. Oh, no, the colors and the, color the action. Spectacular. The color and the action, it as a visual storytelling um, thing, it's excellent. Yeah. And this person really knows how to draw a comic, and there's no gaps. The panel layouts are interesting. The colour is fantastic. The colour is um, amazing. And what, what I thought was more interesting about the colour is it's well balanced. This is someone who understands values and how to substitute regular colours for neon colours without making it an eyesore. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of balance in, in these pieces. So visually speaking, um, very, very solid. I have to say as well, I disagree about the faces. As you know, Ben, I often find it hard to follow comics you do. If, if I don't, if I can't tell who's who. It's your kryptonite. And I didn't really have any who's who issues with this. Oh, okay. I found it pretty easy to follow. And I thought it was good that the mother and daughter characters looked alike. Mm. It makes sense. It, it would be a um, mother-daughter thing. You know, okay, the villain is a kind of, what were we calling him there? Jobberberg. Jobberberg. He is a bit of a <laughs> generic Jobberberg. But, you know, he's visually distinct. Like, you can stick him on the back cover there and you know who he is immediately. Yeah, fair enough. <clears throat> anyway, yeah. there on. you go. Would you give it a buy then? Look, I certainly didn't regret buying it. Okay, fair enough. Um, I, I thought I got my money's worth. Well, well, it's would, your money. <laughs> I would have preferred it was a softback so it fit in my collection more. Yeah, yeah. But that's me being a pedant. Um, <clears throat> I found the the plot was, like you said, it was pretty by the numbers. By the numbers. And the characters were a bit by the numbers as well. Yeah. But I thought it made up for it with uh, visual visual interest. It does have a lot of visual it, interest. Visual interest. As, a, as an art piece, mm-hmm. solid buy it from me. As a storytelling, solid comic book from me. No, I can't. I can't give it that. But then again, I'm I'm into tropes, Michael. You love I'm, a trope. I'm an awful tosser. Full of tropes. For trope. I love a European comic. I'm just a snob. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not the man for, for reviews, Michael. Um, sure, buy it. Support Irish comic books. Yeah. Just go on. Go out and do it. We need hmm. more. Go out and buy it. Give, okay. give Irish creativity a bit of a boost. Let's do a thing, Ben. Yeah, okay. Let's do a thing. Um, we read other comics this week, Michael. We did. Um, one, of, one of the interesting things that came out this week uh, in terms of, of my comic book reading was The Man Without Fear um, which it turns out is going to be a miniseries um, I did not read this I, I know this is a comic book a comic book uh, featuring Daredevil All right. um, I originally assumed that it was going to be the new Daredevil series it is not it's the prequel series to the new Daredevil series the new Daredevil series will be written by Chip Zdarsky uh, who had a fantastic run on Peter Parker Spider-Man um, last year and he's going to be taking over the Daredevil line but this miniseries is very very interesting it is probably the first to suffer from the Al Ewing effect or the, the Immortal Hulk domino effect oh. um, as we know the Immortal Hulk is way more horror mm-hmm. than the traditional Hulk has been for quite a while sometimes and I think uh, the same thing is happening here in, in this very interesting miniseries uh, go on we we 
open on uh, Matt Murdock lying in a hospital bed because at the end of the very, very long Daredevil run, I think it was something like 600 issues, um, he only goes in and, and has an old death. I See, mean, it's not a real death. He ends up in death. a coma. Um, but it was hailed as the death of Daredevil um, thing. And I think it's going to become a much more metaphorical death of Daredevil if this miniseries is to, anything to go by. Daredevil's always dying. No, no, but as in the psychological concept of Daredevil for Matt Murdock seems to be taking an L whooping. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, throughout this uh, issue, it's very strong horror influences. You can see it right from the cover. There's a bloody filled mask on the cover of the mm. thing. Um, it's, it's made extra eerie. It's down on your computer table, okay. I think. Um, it's made extra eerie by the Stanley tribute uh, <laughs> issue because black it's pages. just a bloody thing with a black bar and stuff like that. But it's it's, um, it's excellent. <clears throat> anyway, the, the primary focus of this comic is uh, inside the coma, there's a kind of a psychological war going on. And Matt Murdock is being hunted by this very ragged version of his original costume. It's oh, skull. the red and it's a, red, a skeleton, one. yeah, wearing the red and yellow, and it's screaming at him consistently that you will acknowledge me. That's yeah. the, the true line of of this uh, thing, and we think that's Daredevil. It, we're led to believe at the beginning of this comic that's very much Daredevil, and that's it's, he's being hunted by Daredevil. But then there's a second Daredevil that comes through every once in a while, and it's a huge kind of flesh and blood version of the Daredevil costume with large horns. Nice. I'm gesticulating wildly here. You, are. you can't see that. And it pointing towards your nipples a lot. Yeah. Well, you know. Flesh and blood. I wish you'd noticed. I <laughs> um, got them done specially for the podcast. Uh. <laughs> um, but this flesh and blood thing keeps tackling the rag and bone yellow version. Right. And saying pain. Uh, what's it? Oh, I have it written down here. Hang on one second. Oh, podcast gold. Um, what is pain for? That's yeah, his mantra. So uh, as the, the issue rolls on, we see Matt Murdock in his various costumes. We see the guilt over his career as Daredevil. The women he has kind of let die. By the way, if you take anything, yeah. anything from today's episode, the core should be never ever sleep with daredevil yeah don't oh my god you're just gonna end up dead yeah, it's the you. worst std ever straight <laughs> death just like boom and it's usually being stabbed by bullseye he's a real prick he's he? a real bad egg but we go through this we see matt in various situations and he never shows fear and that's very important yeah that's very important to the, the whole arc of the thing eventually this culminates in a huge battle between Flesh Daredevil, and turn your rag mic, and bone Daredevil. Turn your mic down a bit, because you started shouting. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I'll, I'll <laughs> back up. Right. Apologies to any listeners who have had to deal with my... You're now deaf like Daredevil. Shouty voice. I'm very sorry. Go on. Um, anyway, um, what happens there is um, we see him in different costumes throughout his career. Oh, you're talking quieter now, yeah, even I'm, though I'm I've trying to, I'm trying okay, to adjust. I'm... I'm trying to adjust. God damn it. Do you see him in his different costumes? Yeah, different costumes and he runs around. Anyway, by the end of it, it would seem that the Daredevil... It turns out that the rag and bone Daredevil is Matt Murdock. And he feels that Matt Murdock has sacrificed everything about being human in favour of being the man without fear. Right. And we don't understand why um, he doesn't fear things anymore. And I think the central question is, uh, why do we... Why do we fear things? Is there a reason? Is there a good thing behind well, fear? I don't know, Ben. I, you, you, I'd be the wrong person to ask because I don't have fear or anything. Yeah, I think that's the the philosophy. You are the man without fear. Exactly, yeah. Um, the pod without fear. That's Michael's side project. 
Um, it's very interesting. But I thought, Michael, I enjoyed it very much. The horror elements were very nice. Very, mm. very stirring psychological writing there. And it was nice to see a trip down memory lane. Michael, I don't know if you know this. Go on. But the first ever extended series of comics that I ever read when I was about 14 years old. When was that? Uh, two years after 2003. <laughs> so that would have been 2005. Very good, you yeah. Well smart ass. Um... <laughs> Was Daredevil the Frank Miller run? Because I used to oh. collect. My brother and I used to buy or get from our parents. Yeah, your parents uh, used to buy the the Mighty World of Marvel. The it was a Titan collector's edition mm. with Daredevil and the Hulk, Very and they would reprint the old issues of Daredevil with the Hulk story, with the classic Hulk story, and you get them, and it was real fun. But that was the first ever kind of comic run, and I didn't realize I was reading the traditional Frank Miller. Kind of golden age run of of Daredevil, the, and so I'm very connected to that character in that arc. Hmm. Um, so I decided, you decided for the podcast yeah, this week unilaterally that we were going to do the strange and convoluted publishing history of of bloody Daredevil. Hit Hitchu! Podcast gold. You tried to move away there, but it just, oh, it's just still, destroyed. You okay? Still, yeah, I'm fine. It's still quieter than when you were shouting earlier. Yeah, but that's um, probably tradition. So Ben, what even is Daredevil? Daredevil's What's that little guy there that you've drawn in your notebook? Oh, this, uh, you're going to hear about this guy pretty okay, soon. Okay, all right, let's get to it. So, so Daredevil, I think, is synonymous with a very moody kind of character. Very, very uh, moody, tragic, angry, angsty... Netflix. ...character. Bloody Netflix. But that's not their fault. Netflix is just taken from the source material, baby. Yep. Um, so we're going to take a look at the history of him and, and see how that goes. So Daredevil was created in, in 1964 mm-hmm. by Bill Everett yeah. and Stan Lee. Famously dead. Famously dead, Stan Lee. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, but, yes. controversially, yes. maybe Jack Kirby had maybe a, Jack a lot Kirby. more to do with mm. that character than, than people are willing to admit. Well, look, it's, now is not the right time to talk about it. No, but anyway, th- it's just an interesting thing about that. Uh, he started out in that bloody yellow costume. I like it. Um, and the joke was later that, that Matt Murdock can't see colour. Yeah. So he picked up material that he liked and put it together in a costume. But he can't see it. Yeah. He can't bloody see that it. That actually makes perfect sense. Um, which makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. when you think about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a good recon. That's not the initial thing, but he put this costume together and then um, that was reconned a little bit later. Uh, that only lasted seven issues and then it was replaced with the traditional red spandex jobby yeah. that we all the know horns. and love so I think one of the key words for the early career of Daredevil in the 60s and then into the mid 70s is swashbuckling right like he's a bit of an adventure he's an L he's an L cad he'll, he do, a, he'll do a flip on a lamppole love like very much lived up to the name Daredevil he's the only guy that can do these kinds of things and he's a real he's a real have at her he loves an L quip mm-hmm. um, he loves to make fun of his villains and stuff like that and that was fine. But we had quite a few of them. Spider Man. The yeah, Spider Man was the similar thing. Very, very similar to all kind of early street vigilante characters, notwithstanding the Punisher or whatever. But he was introduced in the seventies. So we'll move on from there. His traditional rogues gallery is kind of established here. We have the L Stilt Man Gladiator. Terrible, terrible yeah, rogues gallery. Yeah, just one of the worst. Poor. The man with legs. <laughs> the man, man with the deformity. Big old long legs. Yeah. Let's beat him up and make fun of him. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, moving on from there. Ben, if you had a kind of slightly creepy sexual relationship with him, you would call him Daddy Long Legs. Let's take a break there. Yeah. Sorry. Um, and we're back. And we're back. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. Caught my breath. So, I think it's, it's probably a better way to 
think of Daredevil from in terms of writers because what have really made his career so up and downy are are the writers that took over. He's he's been at the receiving end of some very extreme personalities in comics. Um, and they have shaped him massively. Frank Miller. So Frank Miller being the the big guy. Kevin Smith. Marv Wolfman. Kevin mm. Smith. Marv Wolfman, Ben. Famous bit of information. Not actually a Wolfman. Just a comic book oh. writer. Have I stolen a joke? You've anything? shattered the illusion. No, you've shattered the illusion <laughs> that, oh, that Marv Wolfman was a, was a Wolfman. Yeah. But uh, speaking of Marv Wolfman, yeah. um, he became... The second creator on it from 1975 to 1977. Go on. Um, and he kind of changed the swashbuckling tone to melodrama. Mm-hmm. So he made it all very dramatic. Yeah, Gave people dying. Oomph. It wasn't daily problems. It was death, 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 death. Mm-hmm. Suicide, death, death, death. Swinging off a lamppost. Swinging off a lamppost. Oh, he might have broken a bone. Oh, he's going to fight on. Um, it introduced, it replaced uh, the traditional, a bloody Karen Page, mm-hmm. um, who was his kind of his sweetheart. Um, in his early career his MJ his MJ his lowest lane yeah, the MJ to his uh, Spider-Man yeah. or in this case yeah Superman lowest lane he, his gal Friday yeah. I guess um, and then came along Heather Glenn and and Heather Glenn I think was largely inspired by every single Judy Garland Liza Minnelli appearance ever where it was just like oh life is so difficult oh he- is Heather Glenn is, would that not be like a place in Scotland where- I, think, I think Heather Glenn is a place in Scotland yeah, yeah. so he went and married the Glenn Got done for sticking his dick in the ground. Oh, Jesus. It was terrible. <laughs> um, but anyway, she came along. The drama hits 90. Everything is, oh, why doesn't Matt love me? Oh, God. What am I doing with my life? That's my melodrama voice, by okay, the way, very for good. anyone who's interested. But his uh, huge contribution to the Daredevil mythos is Bullseye. Yeah. Um, he bloody brought along a bullseye. What are you looking at? What is the little man? Oh, yeah, okay. So, that's fine. We moved through there. We've introduced new characters. The man who takes over from him is a guy called Roger McKenzie. Never heard of him. Uh, Roger McKenzie was, has a massive horror background. So, th- this is what starts to darken up Daredevil. Okay. okay. Um, he, and then we get done for Blackface. I was going to go there. Yeah. But then I didn't. But then you did. Um, but, yeah, no. Uh, just kidding. He has a horror background. He did a lot of the horror anthologies early in his comic book career. Uh, Tales from the Crypt, etc., etc., etc. And he brings in a, a much darker Daredevil. Um, and one of the huge things um, that he does to kind of signify this is, once upon a time, yes. <laughs> looking at the little figure of my thing, yeah. Daredevil watches a henchman get bifurcated right. by a tombstone. Oh. So bifurcated, for anyone who doesn't know, and I didn't know, I had to look it up, means split in half. Yeah. He watches somebody get crushed in half by a tombstone, and they display that in the comic. Right. So this kind of pushes the tone of Daredevil into a very dark place where we're watching people get just split in two. Is that what's happening there in yeah. that little picture? I thought that was like a yeah. California raisin. It does look a little bit like a California raisin. Um, it was just to remind me what it was. But this much darker tone is established. Uh, Heather Glenn is out. Good. Black Widow is brought back in. No. Oh. Black Widow kind of struts around a little bit um, tries to get Matt to come back to her um, Ben Ulrich is established this is the late 70s early 80s yes this is sorry I have it written down here somewhere this is 77 to 79 so this is around when David Bowie's wife Angela tried to st- get a Daredevil and Black Widow TV show made yes starring her as Black Widow yeah Okay. Oh, well yeah. done. Oh, look at Michael with the it's TV. It's not my first day. Sink. No, it's, it's, it's clearly not. This is clearly at least your third day. Uh, it's my first day this year. At least <laughs> it is your first day of this year, actually. But anyway, uh, Mackenzie 
is fine, but then somebody joins the Daredevil team to draw for Roger McKenzie, and that is Mr. Frank Miller. Oh, I've heard of him. In 1979. Frank Miller is massively famous, probably more for his work on Batman than anything else. Well, Sin City. City. Just generally being a bit of a prick. Generally being a bit of a prick. And that apparently started very early on in his career. He didn't like the scripts he was getting for Roger McKenzie, so his buddy Denny O'Neill took over um, publishing and editing at Marvel for a little bit. I thought Daniel O'Neill was a classic, He's a classic DC guy. He's a classic DC guy, but he did. He was the editor-in-chief of a certain number of issues for Marvel. Hmm. And bloody Frank went and had a chat with him, and they only got bloody they Roger got... McKenzie booted. Oh, good. Yeah, well, I mean, is it good? Nah. Is that good? No, that's bad. It's it's real bad egg move. Hmm. It's bloody classic Miller territory. But, I mean, it, it didn't produce a... It's before Frank Miller flanderized himself, so it, yeah, it yeah. produced... No, this a, is... This is his probably his magnum opus work, his cleanest. Well, Batman Year One, but I think what we see here more than mm. anything Go on. is Daredevil becomes his testing ground for Batman Year One. Interestingly, Ben, when I was watching a Daredevil thing the other day, which we'll get to in a few minutes, my lovely lady was listening in the background, mm. and the, the character was describing Daredevil's struggles, okay. and she shouted in, "Are you watching Batman or Daredevil?" <laughs> that's, that's an excellent point. Yeah, I, I would all right. Maybe she agree should do that. the podcast instead of. Me, yeah. uh, I'll, you can do it instead of me if you want, Simon. <laughs> Look, I'm just a bigot. I just bash no, people's creative efforts was, and uh, blackface and yeah, all kinds you're of things. You're having a bad run today. Have I have a bad to say. run today. Go on, just, talk just, more about Daredevil. So he rewrites a lot of Daredevil's history. Frank Miller gets to take over the comic, and boy, do we get some classic grit, some classic. So one of the key things in the early Daredevil is how supportive his father was. Mm-hmm. Um, battling Jack Murdoch is just all about making sure Matt has a good life tells Matt to study instead of fight always looks after his son you know has a lot of pride doesn't agree to have a match fixed you know all these things all these things but no 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 Frank Miller comes along and says do you know what would be better Go if on. he was a real abusive dickhead yeah and so that's what he turns his battle and Jack Murdoch into he's an alcoholic abuser who beats the shit out of Matt's mum and forces her to run off to a convent at some point mm. um, just Dickery. Yeah. Sheer dickery. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we, we have... Uh, New York becomes very gritty and dark, kind of reflecting, I suppose, the actual 80s situation New York. In New York yeah, yeah, not, uh, which is a classic Miller move. Um, and uh, probably the, the most significant contribution and the one that has driven Daredevil Netflix season one is the Catholicism. That mm-hmm. strong Catholic imagery really, that's a ideology. Thing, that's it? a Frank Miller push. Um, mm. That brought all that in. Um and then, of course, the Kingpin. Um, he repurposes the classic Spider-Man villain for Daredevil. And the Kingpin comes in and becomes his... That, that becomes his defining relationship, I suppose, especially mm. in terms of Netflixism. Yeah. Um, that becomes his whole thing. Um, a lot of the villains get rewrites. The owl changes from a goofy kind of... Owl man. Owl man to a mob boss. Real son of a bitch. Um, which, again, Netflix takes... Um, the gladiator changes from kind of a swashbuckling villain to a guy with serious mental health issues mm-hmm. that does a lot of things. He popped up briefly in the Netflix series as the costume maker. That's yeah, he the was gladiator. In both series, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's the gladiator character. Um, he had stick in the hand. That's probably his again oh. his big Electra stick and the hand are all Frank Miller. Classic. Um, without Frank Miller, you would probably not have any of those traditional. Um, Daredevil tropes and I think those are probably the most the things that most people associate him with especially Elektra and Stick Mm -hmm. they're just two big characters they could not have done a better job of casting Stick in the Netflix Scott Glenn famously dead 
great move. Famously dead Scott Glenn, but mm-hmm. great move. Yeah, very um, good. And then the other thing is, I suppose his biggest contribution uh, was the Born Again run that he did for Netflix a couple of years later. Which was kind Netflix. Or sorry, not Netflix, uh, Marvel. Which was kind of somewhat, uh, but not really adapted into season three of Daredevil. Yeah, the broken Daredevil is um, pretty much how that works, where he forsakes other things in favour of just being a vigilante out to get people. Um, yeah, and then uh, he comes back and does a series, a miniseries called The Man Without Fear from 93 to 94. Mm-hmm. And it's just Batman Year One. It's just... <laughs> but it's Daredevil. It's Daredevil. Yeah. There's a tracksuit training scene. There's a bloody sexy Selena Kyle analogue in Electra where she just runs around New York and Lovely. gets herself into... She's kind of a... Sexy scrapes. Now, this is not my term, Uh-oh, but it's a term that I saw used as... She's a danger slut. Which oh, is Jesus just, Christ, Ben. It's a shocking term. But it's a woman who specifically puts herself in dangerous situations to get a thrill. Ugh. Or we could just call her an adrenaline junkie. Yeah, there's a, a word for that but already. A sorted <laughs> adrenaline junkie. So she goes around alleyways wearing scandalous outfits. <laughs> His contribution to her costume is not the traditional red thing. Mm-hmm. She's just wearing underwear and a bra in jet yeah, black. Good. And oh, I like the sound of this. She What's goes, this called? She Man goes around New York. <laughs> she goes around New York in a fur coat. And when she finds someone who is like, hey, sweetie, come here and let me... She does a flash on them and then yeah, does a fight? Yeah, she, she drops the old clothing. Oh, and, perfect. And, she, you know, she gets she gets a little grabbed and then she kicks the living shit out of him. And, you know, that's her whole thing. But without Frank Miller, wouldn't have, wouldn't have made it. But then, good old Kevin Smith oh, gets Kev. his hands on him and... We go full 90s and he gets pouches and armor and... And armor and he's a crime boss Ooh, and ninjas. Boy. It's, it's rough. And then that just starts his downward trajectory into this kind of laughable, unadaptable character. In the comic books, at least. Um, Shadowland comes shortly after that. And Shadowland, he becomes possessed by a demon mm-hmm. and decides to take control of Hell's Kitchen. And what he becomes is a pastiche because he'd been getting this darker tone consistently since the 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we just went full throttle. He's like, oh, I'm possessed by a demon. I'm possessed by a demon. I'm evil and I've got armor. Yeah, and I've got armor. Um, he gets longer horns because mm-hmm. that's what the character needed. But he becomes a very mockable character I suppose but um, yeah and then um, we went all the way back to the 60s with Mark Wade's run where he moves to San Francisco and gets all la tita <laughs> la tita no he, he's so all quippy concise. charming um, oh, he reveals his identity he reveals his identity um, and he becomes a kind of detective for hire in San Francisco yeah. um, it's a much lighter tone it's great run um, I thoroughly recommend the Mark Wade. Um, Chris Samney run of Daredevil but yeah that's kind of his convoluted publishing history and now this is returning us go on to his roots where it's kind of slightly dark but it also has glimmers of light he's not pushing his friends away anymore Foggy mm-hmm. Nelson plays a huge part in the, the mini series The Man does he swing in a lamppost uh, he'll bounce off a lamppost eventually I think Good. he's coming out of the coma uh, in in this new miniseries mm. so it's going to be focused on different characters in Hell's Kitchen adapting to a world without Daredevil but he's currently in the series Marvel Lights and he's very much alive and up and running oh, he probably is I mean it's very hard <laughs> to keep up it's comics Benjamin yeah I did you a favour thanks and I saved you from having to watch uh, Ben do you remember uh, more than a year ago we did an episode on Thor yeah and on Thor, we watched The Incredible Hulk Returns, yes, which was a made-for-TV movie where The Incredible Hulk met Thor, but it was designed as a backdoor pilot. 
Nice. It was supposed to be a pilot for a Thor series that never materialised. Thanks God for that. The follow-up, Ben, was called The Trial of the Incredible Hulk. And that's a backdoor pilot for a Daredevil series that never mm-hmm. happened. So, it's a direct it's a direct sequel yeah, yeah. to the Thor one. And uh, Bruce Banner, you know, he's gotten a job. But people keep pushing him into rivers and whatnot. And <sighs> not, Bru- not Bruce Banner, David Banner. People keep oh, pushing him. <laughs> yeah, people keep pushing him and making him angry. And he's like, I have to go. I have to get out of here. So he goes to the city. Because that's not a stressful place at all. No. Well, that's what someone says. Uh, someone says, don't go to the city. It's bad. And he says, no, here's bad. I'm going to the city. Get out of my face. What a dope. <laughs> so he goes to the city. And on his first bloody day in the city, Ben, is he is he only on the subway. And You're going to put, what? what? The subway's a tiny box that travels yep. at high speeds underground, which yep. is notoriously packed. So he's on the subway on his first day in the city. And there's a lady on the subway oh. who starts getting hassled yeah. by... By two thugs. Is it Electra? No. Oh. Uh, I've actually forgotten her name. Uh, Mendez. Hey, sweet Mendez. Come over yeah. here and. Basically, yes. But she, Ben, <laughs> she takes the stance of no means no. And <laughs> it's a whole thing. It's a whole Me Too movement thing. It's actually really surprising. Um, I'm not laughing at that. I'm just laughing at the, the, the timing of that new I know, York it's, so- it's no. bizarre. It was really weird when she's saying, don't we live in a world where a woman can say no? And I was like, 1989? These, these two men are not your target demographic for anyway, changing the hearts and minds. of The Hulk turns into the Hulk and he beats them up and the woman Is escapes. it new for Igno? Yeah. Oh, excellent. And, and Bill Bixby. Directed by Bill Bixby. Ah. So... Um, it oh. turns out, Ben, that these two thugs are connected with the Kingpin. <gasps> but he's not called the Kingpin. Ben. He's only called Wilson Fisk. Uh, and he's played by John Reese davis The big guy. The big, from, from Lord of the Rings. And Indiana Jones. And Sliders. Oh, no way. And good right. friends with my friend Jim. That's, oh. our, that's our connection that's to nice. John Reese davis huh. uh, They bonded over fatherhood. Anyway. Um, that's quite nice. Yeah. John Reese davis is the kingpin, but he's a real 80s kingpin. Oh, nice. He has, like, shades oh, that, yeah. that I think have TV monitors in them, so he's always monitoring things. Yes. He's actually pretty good as a kingpin. But the two thugs are connected with the kingpin, so this can't be allowed to stand. Oh, yeah. Cause... So so Bill Bill Bigsby, uh, David Banner, but that's not his name. He's, he's a fake identity. Yeah, he, yeah. He's set up for the crime. Oh. The woman is kind of strong-armed into suggesting that he attacked her and the two men tried to save her mm. contrived so he gets a lawyer oh and who do you think his lawyer is it's only bloody does he have a does he have a visual impairment he's a blind man he's a blind matt, man. matt murdoch <laughs> sure. um and he knows karate um so Excellent. Uh, amazingly considering the movie is called the trial of the incredible hook there is no trial Oh, the Hulk escaped from prison. Is it trial in the traditional sense? Is it a difficult ordeal that one must overcome? No, I think it's just a marketing mix-up. Oh. There is a trial scene ah. where the Hulk, where where Bruce David Bruce Banner is being asked questions in trial, and people are like, "Answer the question," and then he hugs out and starts smashing up the thing. Stanley is in it. it. I think his first cameo. He's oh. the foreman of the trial, but that whole thing turns out to be a dream sequence. What? A lot of people were bothered by that. Well, any kind of dream sequence is absolute. So at this point, it becomes a Daredevil movie. Okay. Not a Hulk movie. Sure. So it is a Daredevil movie. Yeah. Really. The, the, and they've got Daredevil pretty right, to be honest. Oh, that's good. 
they do his radar sense in the kind of shitty 80s way well, I mean that's fine that's not we, Ben Affleck then he, we meet Turk oh no way yeah Turk is in it Turk is in, oh, um, that's quite cool yeah um, he works in a law firm he doesn't work with Karen Page and Foggy Nelson though he works with two other people whose names escape me at the moment couldn't afford the rights for that I guess I don't know what it was um, mm. it's a lady a sexy lady and uh a guy who used to be a sergeant in the army so he has a oh he has a sidekick of, and a guy yeah. was this another backdoor pilot oh yeah for, oh, okay, okay. for certain okay. um, the guy who plays Matt Murdock he's actually pretty good he's called Rex Smith so when you told me Ron, Hollywood name. when you told me Ron Smith had died I thought it was him I was like oh no Daredevil this is an interesting coincidence um, so yeah it essentially then breaks down into a Daredevil movie where it's Daredevil versus the Kingpin trying to rescue this woman oh, it's much better than the incred- than the Mighty Thor one Oh, okay. It's actually, oh, it's all it's right. All There's nice. a bit of tension. There's a bit of trying to save this woman and she's flip-flopping, she's flip-flopping back between kind of agreeing with the manipulation and saying, no, why can't I live in a world where people can oh, say no? More public service announcements. Yeah. Um, but look, it's, it's entertaining. The the thing that it, it ate the most ridicule for when it came out sure. was that it didn't do Daredevil's costume. It put him in a black... Overall black number with a black kind of half head mask. But but Michael, we've we've had that before. We then had that in whatever Daredevil Year One was called. What was Daredevil Year One called? The Daredevil Man Without black, Fear. Was it? Yeah, uh, The Man Without Fear. When was The Man Without Fear? 93. So this was four years before that. Uh, I think that costume probably would have made a minor appearance at, the, uh, at some point in Frank Miller's run. Mm. Frank Miller established the traditional Netflix costume as his first costume. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so, I mean, this costume, when, when I first saw this, this movie years ago, I didn't like it because like that's not really that's Daredevil. A lazy costume. But now that that costume has been established as that's often what Daredevil looks like, yeah. the 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 getting used to that costume makes this movie a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually you can, I mean, you can live with it, and it's 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 all right. And um, Daredevil knows karate in this, and you know it was the it was the early the late eighties uh-huh. where. Knowing karate was a real novelty. Yeah, yeah. It's like, ooh. So every time he beats someone up, someone says, Show me some of those moves. And it's all essentially in slow motion. Oh, excellent. Uh, the Kingpin has a leather clad evil henchwoman. Ah. Oh. Which, as you know, Ben, is one of my ambitions. Is it Electra? No, it's not Electra. It's I don't think she even get. No, she doesn't even get a name, I don't think. Oh, okay. Uh, she's defeated by one of the other henchmen attempting to punch Daredevil. Daredevil very slowly moving out of the way. The henchman falls and pushes her into a wall. And oh, she no. gets knocked out. Um, the movie was kind of hated when it came out hmm. because there's very, very little Hulk in it. Ah, and it's heralded as a Hulk mm. thing. But it's not. It really is uh, trying to get a Daredevil series Come off, on. The, off the ground. Um, he, I think he hulks out twice. Hmm. Uh, he hulks That's out, not enough hulking. He hulks out once on the subway. Mm-hmm. Uh, he hulks out the second time when Daredevil thinks he's tracked down the Kingpin but it turns out to be a trap and the Hulk rescues him Classic. he doesn't hulk out in the final attack on the Kingpin what right isn't that weird what what a dumb so, squib yeah so David oh. Banner goes and rescues the woman while Daredevil takes out Kingpin and his other crime bosses That's what happens when you let the actor direct the yeah, I want, to be like, I want to be. In I it. want to be. I want to be. Fuck Lou. Fuck Lou. <laughs> Fuck that guy. <laughs> Barely even acting. 
Um, oh, it's just a vanity probably, project and a backdoor pilot. <laughs> yeah, it's it's all of them at once. Probably the best thing about it is at the end when Kingpin is defeated. He escapes in this bizarre hover foil oh, helicopter yes. thing. And, and Daredevil is screaming at him going, I'll get you, Fisk. But he's easily within hand's reach. <laughs> like, he could have just, he could have leapt up and just grabbed it. Amazing. Yeah. But it's actually not terrible. It's fine. Like, it's, it's, now that the black suit is so established as a, a legitimate look for Daredevil. It's it fine. actually fine. Yeah, 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 it's fine. It's a it's a typical Saturday they, morning. They went back to it in the Netflix one. Like, they just yeah, kept the original. It was better. Yeah. Um, I also watched Daredevil two thousand three again. Oh God, Ben, I know I'm in a long term committed relationship, so it's too late for all of the ladies out there. But if they ever if you wanted, could stop to, sending the fan mail. Actually, <laughs> if they ever wanted to win my heart, the way to my heart is a sexy fight at a playground, based entirely off that scene from scratch, scratch that two thousand two thousand. Don't be anywhere near playgrounds. Don't be sexy fights at playgrounds. No this. kids there. Oh no, there are kids watching the sexy fight. <laughs> it's a bizarre film. <laughs> It's very strange. Very, very strange. Come on, guys. Um, the the thing that that got right, I, I thought the costume was pretty good in that. It's very tight. It is very tight, but I mean, I it was during the superhero leather phase. This, so this gets me a lot of flack, but I really like the Daredevil suit in the Netflix series. I didn't hate it. that one there. Yeah, that one there. I thought it was a great old tactical Daredevil suit. Yeah, it's yeah. all right. I I prefer the ninja one, the black one. The yeah, no, the ninja one is is very cool. Um, yeah I don't know Ben Affleck in spandex I can never see that again it'll be it's okay. leather Is it, oh sorry yeah, it's, it's leather it's full on leather well it looked like spandex no it didn't on occasion it Michael uh, Michael Clark Duncan was, was a great kingpin he was he was a great kingpin although in fairness D'Onofrio has really oh no he's he's, I think he's got that under control closest to the comic book would be D'Onofrio Jonathan Reese Davis is pretty funny though. <laughs> um, yeah <laughs> Good character. Ah, oh, classic. We wrap it up there. Yeah. Anyone out there a Daredevil fan? If you are a Daredevil fan, do get in touch with us and let us know which run you prefer. How did you get into Daredevil? Do you like Daredevil? What is your thought? Daredevil was my favorite character in a really shitty online kind of action RPG oh. point and click game called Marvel Superheroes. Did you ever play that game? <laughs> let us know. I had a really rubbish uh, Game Boy version of the movie. Um, oh, the, the Ben Daffy yeah, movie. And the interesting thing about that was there wasn't enough in the movie to simply flesh out an entire game. Um, there, Ben, I, I am half remembering this now. Yeah. But there was a development studio who were working on an incredible looking 3D Daredevil game from the, the early generation, maybe PS1 or PS2, mm. even that early, where... You could run along rooftops and nice. slide down balconies and stuff. And it had a hint of the Tony Hawk kind of mechanics oh, about it where cool. you could do a slide. Never came to fruition, though. There's a really interesting YouTube video on it, but I can't remember what it's about. Excellent. So we're going to remembering things. Um, welcome to the new year. Happy New Year, everybody. We've got to do that at the beginning. Um, let us know what you think. Do you have my New Year's resolution, Ben, is to keep doing the podcast. Mine, mine is to somehow get out of it. That's <laughs> <a point. laughs> Somehow, I'm going to gnaw my own hand off and this chain is not going to hold me anymore. That's it from us, ladies and gentlemen. We're on Instagram, YouTube. You can get in touch with us. Leave us a review on iTunes, as always. Bye. Bye.